Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest on the podcast is the lovely Emily Smith, who is a health writer and a student dietitian. She has written for multiple publications and different brands, and she's also the writer and editor at JS Health. So thank you so much for joining me today, Em. It's great to have you here, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be chatting to you. Yeah, this is going to be great. So let's start off by talking about how you got interested in the health space and how you got into health writing and then studying dietetics. Okay, so it's actually a bit of a journey. Um, I wanted to be a writer since I was quite young. I remember in year five, I used to make my best friend do like news programs with me. (laughs) So from that stage, I was really interested in becoming a writer and ended up going to uni and studying media and communications. Um, And I graduated from that and actually got what I thought was my dream job, which was um, eventually an editor. Uh, And it was a great job, but it wasn't, it wasn't exactly my passion. I was kind of writing about really random things um, in industries that I wasn't particularly interested in. And I'd always had a real interest in health and nutrition to the point where I, as I'd gone through uni, I'd become more and more interested in I guess, food and fitness. And I ended up going to see a nutritionist um, while I was still working as an editor. And she actually spoke to me about orthorexia, which a lot of people don't know about, but it's basically, it's not an eating disorder as such, but it's more a kind of disordered eating, I would describe it. Um, So she basically said to me, I was pushing my body too far and I was so fixated on the idea of being healthy that it was almost an unhealthy obsession. And from that, I kind of got to thinking and I was like, while I love writing, it's not, I don't feel like I'm living my passion and I'd love to be able to bring my passion for health into my job so that I, I guess, love my five days a week that I'm at work more than I did. Um, And I wanted to do so in a healthier way than how I had been pursuing health until then. So I actually reached out to her again a couple of months later and asked her, I guess, if she recommended a career in the industry. Um, And I started looking into studying nutrition myself. Um, As I was doing so, I had started writing for um, a few different health publications like Body and Soul, Good Food. And I really, really loved doing that. But I was finding that instead of being able to comment on things from my own point of view, even things that I knew heaps about from research and everything, I always had to go and interview a dietitian or a nutritionist. I could never share my own knowledge or opinions. So that kind of, again, encouraged me to go and study it for myself. But it was a bit of a difficult decision having already done a degree and been working full time for, I think, two and a half years by that point. It was a big step to kind of go back to square one, I guess. So it really just came down to it was absolutely my passion. And while I'd thought that it was good to keep your passion and your work separate, I think I later realized that it would be 
even more amazing if I could combine them and really do something that I loved and help other people who were going through similar things with me where I guess it was hard to find a boundary and find a healthy balance rather than going all in on health. So yeah, that's how I kind of got into it. Oh, that's really nice. I like that. And how cool that it all started with your own journey to see that nutritionist and planting that little seed. And yeah, Yeah. it's cool to see how it's evolved. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned in there that you started writing for publications like Body and Soul and Good Food. How did those opportunities come about? Um, I think when it comes to writing in health and in general as well, it's all about making connections. So I would literally just reach out to, I didn't know anyone myself originally. They all say that your value in media is who you know. So I knew no one. (laughs) So I would just reach out to editors and um, people on LinkedIn even and try and get emails of editors and however I could um, get in contact with the relevant people. I would, I would pitch them as many ideas as I could. And if they came back and said, no, we hate these, (laughs) I would try again. So it was very much persistence, um, reaching out, trying to get my foot in the door and not taking no for an answer, really. Yeah, amazing. And are those sorts of things paid opportunities or are they more so just for the exposure and to get your name out there? It kind of depends. So a lot of um, publications will ask you to do one or two pieces unpaid so they can see if you're a good fit for the publication And then uh, if they do like your writing, often they'll pay you a set rate for an article. It totally depends on the publication as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's touch and go, really. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really good to know. Um, And so how did you go about getting your role at JS Health? So my role at JS Health was actually, it was largely a coincidence. I just quit my last job because I realized I really hated it. The culture was horrible. (laughs) Um, And the day that I quit, I saw this job on LinkedIn for a writer for JS Health. So I reached out. um, I'd followed them or Jess on Instagram for a few years, actually myself. So I reached out and I sent them a huge long email (laughs) about why I really wanted the job. Um, and obviously I didn't have any nutrition qualifications myself at the time and I wasn't studying yet, even though I had plans to. Um, and I just kind of sent them a lot of articles that I had written for health publications and they asked me to come in for an interview and that was pretty much it. (laughs) We just all got along really well and it was a really beautiful culture. So yeah, it worked out so well. I love that. Isn't it funny that you quit somewhere that had a bad work culture and then you worked at like one of the nicest places to work in terms of that work culture? (laughs) I honestly, have you heard that saying where um, it's something about you have to make room for better opportunities to come along into your life? Mm. That, at that moment, I started believing that so much. And ever since, I feel like there have been so many examples where that's proven to be true. So very much believe that if something isn't serving you, you've got to get rid of it. (laughs) yeah for sure stars aligned for you there definitely works in your favor when you do let go of things that are no longer serving you so I'm glad you mentioned that yeah Yeah, I agree brilliant so what does your day-to-day of that role entail obviously a lot of writing (laughs) yeah so I am doing part-time for JS at the moment while I'm studying so um, my day-to-day I do a lot of writing of different varieties so I write copy for the website I write their newsletters Um, I write blog posts. Um, I do a lot of editing as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so kind of anything that anyone needs me to write or check over, it does change a lot. There's a lot of variety in my role, which I love. Yeah. Um, plenty of meetings were quite collaborative and we all work really closely together, which is really lovely too. So, I mean, <laughs> a day at JS Health is never quite the same as the one before. Like sometimes there are people cooking in the kitchen, sometimes we're doing workouts. So I'm very lucky in that we have a lot of variety and a lot of fun at work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it changes every day. Yeah, that sounds really cool. And when it does come to developing your writing skills, obviously you have that history where you studied writing and communication, but mm-hmm. is there any other ways that you did develop your skills? Funnily enough, I feel like in the actual degree, you don't learn how to write at all. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I did one writing subject in four years, but um, oh. it's very much self-taught and also just practice makes perfect. So I think... For me, the main thing about being a writer is your ability to adapt to a publication's tone of voice or a brand's tone of voice, depending on who you're writing for. Um, I think you should be able to do that pretty much instantaneously, even if you're not that familiar with a brand or a publication. Um, Just by reading a couple of things that they've done previously, you should be able to get a feel for the way that they talk and the kind of audience that they're targeting. Yeah. So I think that's really important. I also think taking the time to understand and identify with whatever audience you are writing for is super important. So um, I've always tried to do that. Um, and I, yeah, I think just, I also try and read a lot and I read a lot of publications that aren't necessarily well written. <laughs> um, and even doing things like that helps you spot like little phrasing errors or grammar errors or whatever it might be I think as weird as that sounds identifying mistakes helps you think about what you would do better and how you could reword it or whatever it might be Um, I think that really helps you improve your skills yeah for sure do you find that drives you crazy as an editor seeing like all those not so good publications out there (laughs) and especially ones where they're so not based on evidence or anything. They're just like throwing things around. Oh, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> Size me up the wall. <laughs> Should write into them be like, this is what you need to pick. <laughs> Do some freelance on the side. <laughs> yeah. oh, too funny. So what would be some of the main skills that someone would need if they did want to become a health writer or go into a similar role as what you're doing at JS Health? Mm-hmm. I think definitely your communication ability is obviously yeah. very important. Um, your ability to take on feedback and sometimes criticism and mm-hmm. learn from that. Um, so not take it so personally and not be disheartened when you hear no, because that is the industry. It happens all the time. It's normal. And you have to realize that a lot of the time, no, doesn't mean that your idea is invalid. It just means that maybe it's not right for that publication or that audience. Um I think also efficiency is really important. I I definitely feel that that helps me manage everything at once. And also when you're writing, if, you're, if you are freelancing, if you're writing for multiple publications, you need to kind of juggle that. So efficiency and being able to plan really well yeah. um, is a great skill to have. Um, also researching is super important. Uh, I always make sure that what I'm writing is based on fact Um, and proactivity I would say is also really important you need to be able to reach out to people maintain and and foster relationships yeah 
yeah, which I guess again relates back to being able to communicate well. Yeah, it's an important one. (laughs) Definitely. Um, Do you find you work with the nutritionists at JS Health often? So you mentioned research in there. Do you find you're often picking their brain as well or getting something that, you know, confirmed by them so that you can write about it with that credibility? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the time the head nutritionist um, at JS Health, I'm actually really good friends with her as well. So that helps. But um, (laughs) we work together all the time. A lot of the time when we're doing nutrition blogs, um, I'll get her input or her help on it. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely really always working closely together um, to make sure that we're backing everything up with research and sharing the right information, I guess. That's yeah. very important for me <laughs> and us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, perfect. And how do you go about getting different ideas? Because obviously you'd always be writing new things. What do you find helps with that creativity and brainstorming and coming up with new topics? Um, I think when it comes to my writing for JS Health, the team is always super um, great with coming up with ideas and offering suggestions and things like that. When it comes to pitching on my own, I always try and be really on top of, I guess, what the latest health trends are, what people want to know about. A lot of the time I think, what do I want to know about and what am I really interested in hearing about further that hasn't been properly covered or covered in a way that I'm satisfied with previously. Yeah. Um, And then I'll pitch something along those lines because I mean, I kind of am the target demographic for a lot of the places that I write for. So that is really helpful in coming up with ideas as well. Yeah. Amazing. Um, And so when you are pitching, do you have any sort of advice for anyone else who wants to do a similar thing and pitch ideas to publications? Like where do you look? How do you go about it? Um, When it comes to pitching, I would say if you don't already have a contact at a publication, reach out on LinkedIn. You can usually find relevant people once you get good at searching. (laughs) Um, And then when you do reach out, you want to give them a little bit of background on yourself, but you want it to be quite short and sharp. And you also want your pitches to basically consist of a headline and a sentence or a couple of sentences which really summarise your idea or your article in a way that makes it really appealing to the editor to potentially commission a story from you. So they don't want to read long pages or like drafts of articles that they haven't approved. So I think the shorter you can keep it and the more engaging you can make your email to them and the more personal, the better. Oh, that's really good advice. Yeah. That's brilliant. Have you worked with other brands and things? Um, tell us a little bit about your own freelance um, work that you've done alongside JS. So most, I mostly did my freelancing before JS Health. I do write for, at the moment, I'm doing some work for The Ambitious Dietitian, which is, I guess, a community of, well, it's run by a dietitian and her husband, um, And it pretty much encourages people in private practice to work on their business and their strategy and everything like that. So I write blogs for them. Yeah. Um, And I also work for the dietologist writing blogs for her. That's just an internship that I'm learning from her through. Um, Sorry, I completely forgot the question. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was it. Uh, which other sort of brands? And oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and other than that, just <laughs> other than that, just um, I've written for publications in the past, really, not so much brands. Yeah, 
Yeah, cool. Um, what you mentioned in there about internship, that sounds really interesting. Is that something you recommend other like fellow students or even qualified nutritionists, naturopaths, natural health professionals? Do you recommend they go out and look for an opportunity like that where they can start to gain that experience? I definitely think so. I, I've heard a lot of the time that it's 50% based on your degree and 50% based on your experience when you actually enter the workforce in terms of getting a job and things like that. But I, from my own experience so far, I would say it's so invaluable in the fact that it teaches you what you like and what you don't like. You can see how people run their business, which you might think is easy enough to do, but there's so many little things that you don't expect about running a business. Like even things like um, creating flyers or infographics or handouts for your clients and the finance the admin everything like that you really don't take that into account when you're planning your own future as a dietitian or a nutritionist so i think doing internships and seeing the real life day to day is so so helpful and i couldn't recommend it enough and also from my own experience working with steph the dietologist she is so lovely and encouraging and they really do take you under their wing and teach you as much as they can. So, yeah, I think the more you can intern or volunteer your time or whatever it might be, the better. Yeah, that sounds so valuable. That would be such a good experience and thing to do. That's yeah, really fabulous. Cool. Yeah. yeah, amazing. So we spoke a little bit about, I was going to ask, what does a typical day look like for you? But you already sort of said it's always different. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything you wanted to add in about the day-to-day of the role or um, what you do there? Um, not so much the role. I guess the main difference in my day-to-day is a lot of my days are spent on uni and then yeah. <laughs> I go into the dais, which is a totally different day for me. Yeah. Um, but it's good to have the variety between the two. I like Yeah, it. it's great that you've got the good balance of them. And where are yeah. you studying at the moment? Which uni are you I'm studying at Sydney Uni. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Round two. <laughs> yeah. Back to uni. It's exciting <laughs> though. <laughs> yeah. What would you say your vision is for the future? Where do you want to go and take this degree and your writing skills? <laughs> so this sometimes changes for me. Um, I definitely want to keep up my writing. Yeah. Um, I'd love, love, love to write a book one day. That's always been a dream of mine. Um, I also would really love to have some kind of private practice and see clients and help them. I am thinking with things like orthorexia or eating disorders, but again, that could absolutely change once I get further down the track. Um, I'd really love to work in the media space for dietetics and I guess just empower people with more knowledge about nutrition that I wish that I had have learned earlier on. Yeah, because the more I learn, the better I feel in my own body and I know what I thrive on and what I don't. So I really would love to be able to share that message with a larger number of people than if I only worked in private practice. So I think it for me, I'd love to somehow combine all three of those aspects. Yeah. Um, so a bit of writing, a bit of media and a bit of private practice if I can. That sounds Hopefully. really cool. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Do you know what you would write your book about? Um, I think it's tough to say. I I would really love to focus on orthorexia and how it can be. Uh, So for me, my journey with orthorexia, I've been reflecting on it a bit lately and I have decided that it actually began for me 
from receiving compliments. So as I got older, I realized that every compliment that I or someone else, my friends or anyone got was based on our physical appearance. It might be how we looked in an outfit or about our body or whatever it might be. And that being a perfectionist, I feel like instead of hearing those compliments and thinking, oh, that's so nice, I heard them and thought, oh, wow, I must step up my training. I must eat cleaner. I must maintain this. So I think to approach it from that perspective um, and dive into ways to combat it and to heal your relationship with yourself and health um, would be really something I'd love to write about and I'd be really passionate about. So, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it would be a brilliant book and it would help so many people because, yeah, what you said there, it's like so relatable to so many people and it's true. Like a lot of the time compliments are more about the external and it's like that. Yeah, it's not really what it's about. You've got to sort of reshape that. Yeah. We should start complimenting each other on intelligence or effort or like things exactly. we're doing. No yeah. one ever does. No one ever says, oh, you're so intelligent. You're so kind. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I would love to change the conversation around that. Yeah, sure. I love that. You can start a movement. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. So important. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so what does success mean to you? I think success for me, it's just about being happy and content in my life, feeling fulfilled. And that doesn't mean every single day that I feel happy, but in general, looking at my life, I think if I'm happy and content, that to me is success. And that includes having a job that I look forward to going to instead of dragging myself there five days out of every seven, Mm -hmm. um, And things like having a beautiful group of friends and my family, um, having experiences that help me grow and learn and also living in a way that I don't have regrets is super important to me. So I think you only regret the things you don't do. So for me, success is taking chances and putting myself out there and learning to find the good in whatever happens as a result. Yeah, amazing. Um, And so what you were saying there about not wanting to do a job that you didn't love, if someone is in a similar situation to what you were when you were doing that job that you didn't like and you decided to leave, what would Mm -hmm. your advice be to them or even to past you when you're trying to make that decision to leave something that's not making you happy? So I really think you have to back yourself and sometimes you have to make the hard call to start looking for something else. I think A lot of the time it's better to start looking while you're still in a secure job, which I obviously didn't do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) However, having said that, sometimes you just need to get out of there. And when you do, like we were saying before, when you do make space, better things will come along. I just think it's not worth, obviously there are extenuating circumstances and you do need an income, but it's not worth being unhappy for five days of your week in a job that you hate and you're so dejected and you bring that home with you overnight too. And then on the weekend you spend dreading the week ahead. So I just think back yourself, upskill if it helps you find an opportunity that you're excited about. Even if that means going back to uni or completely changing industry, start forming connections and relationships with people in the industry or job that you do want. Um, and yeah, do what, do the work, like 
volunteer your time if that helps you get where you want to be just do everything you can and work at it and work at it and know that you will get there in the end once you've done the work yeah that is very good advice (laughs) (laughs) um so how do you find you balance between the studying the working part-time the internship and also (laughs) having some time to yourself and having a life outside of all of that Good question. (laughs) Um, It's not always easy. It's particularly hard at the moment. I'm doing quite heavy content subjects and there's a lot of hours required for that. So it does definitely mean for me that I'm working a lot later during the night than I have previously. But I think when you're passionate about something, it's all just part of the territory. So um, I work at JS Health two days at the moment and then I'm doing uni three days, three full days. And then um, with my internship and anything else I have going on, I just kind of fit that in in my own time. So I'll do some writing on the weekends or um, of a night instead of watching TV these days, I, <laughs> I'll be doing some work. Um, and then when it comes to time for myself, I really, really try and give myself the weekend off if I can. Obviously, a lot of the time I have to do a bit of uni work, but I just try and leave that for me time and to spend with my friends and family because having worked full time for those years and getting used to having those two days where I didn't have to think about anything, I really loved being able to fully switch off. So I think I do try and do that as much as I can, but it doesn't always happen. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's fair enough. Um, And what are some things that you do to take care of you and to put your health in the mix there and prioritize that? Um, I absolutely set aside time each day to move my body. So I'm very, very into fitness, love my hit circuit classes and things like that. So that's a non-negotiable. Um, I also really focus on eating foods that make me feel good and energized. Um, so on Sunday, as annoying as it is, I often like to do a bit of a meal prep, not like a full on thing, but I'll prep some like roast veggies or whatever it might be so that that will kind of keep me going for the week ahead when I need it. Um, I also spend a lot of time with people who lift me up and who kind of encourage my my better aspects. So I won't I won't surround myself with people who make me feel guilty or lesser for eating unhealthy foods or also who make me feel guilty for not drinking if I don't feel like it and things like that. So I think also the people that you spend time with is equally as important to your health as things like fitness and food. So yeah. yeah, definitely. So, so important and something that isn't talked about enough. So yeah, it's great that you're yeah. factoring that in and that it's being brought up today. Absolutely. And same goes even with people you're working with, like having that great office culture that you do now, that would make such a difference as opposed to when you yeah. were working in that job where you were, you didn't have the best office culture. Definitely agree. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, Actually, speaking of office culture, I see that you guys do like little yoga sessions and team workouts and stuff at JS. Is that something that's really beneficial and like it would be such a nice thing to do, a great like bonding exercise and also take out? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really nice for us all to do together. We often are completely hopeless at the workouts we do, so it ends up being more of a 
laughter first, but so <laughs> no, hard. it's really nice to just connect in a different way than our jobs, I guess. And it, yeah, it's definitely a, a positive thing to spend time doing together. So it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's anyone today listening that has their own business or their own team, what would your recommendations be based on working in such a great office culture? What would you say to them to try and um, yeah, develop a really nice space to work for other people? Um, I think definitely creating a space where employees feel like they can approach you if they have a concern or an issue or something that they feel isn't being met. Um, yeah and being really open and accepting to any feedback and actually acting on it and learning from it. I think that's super important. Um, and also encouraging your employees to, to, I guess, get along with each other in ways other than the office environment. So things like retreats or um, I don't know, whatever team bonding activity you want to do. Sometimes it seems like a chore, but I think it's actually really important that your team get along and have their own relationships because it makes it so exciting to come to work when you're working with your friends. Yeah. Um, it's re- yeah, it's so, it's so great to be able to do that. So I think definitely taking the time to listen and really show your employees that you value and appreciate them yeah. um, and encouraging them to do the same to each other. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I think that also even applies just to anyone who has their own business in general and towards their clients, like listening and taking in feedback from what people want to see from you. Um, yeah, so that's like really like it works both ways. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Yeah, amazing. And if you could recommend one book for every listener to read, what would it be and why? <laughs> <laughs> So I have to tell you my first instinct to this. Yeah, <laughs> Harry Potter. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> right answer. Biggest Harry Potter nerd you will ever meet. I can literally <laughs> tell you the most obscure facts. And I think it's super important to have an outlet that isn't necessarily related to what you do day to day and to spend some time in a different world to your own. So absolutely go and read Harry Potter. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> I also will recommend Just Eat It by Laura Thomas. Um, it kind of helps, it focuses on helping you heal your relationship with food and fitness and your body and put less pressure on yourself. And I think it very much aligns with my own thoughts in that area. So definitely recommend Just Eat It. Yeah. Awesome. I have heard really good things about that one as well. Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) Yeah, brilliant. Um, So when it comes to mindset and having a successful career, what would you consider that important? And what would you recommend in terms of getting the mindset right so that you can thrive in all that you do? I think mindset is absolutely everything when it comes to success in your career and in your life in general. Um, I think the thing that I would most focus on here is switching your mentality from being afraid of failure as so many of us are to instead being hungry for opportunity. So the way I think about it is you have to realize that from taking a risk, you have absolutely nothing to lose and you have everything to gain. And the only, the only things that you'll look back on and regret are the things that you didn't try. So I think instead of being afraid that people will say no to your pictures or won't want to meet you for a coffee or won't want you to work for them, just reach out and put yourself out there and be excited and enthusiastic, even if you're, even if you're told no. So I think 
absolutely taking the risk, backing yourself and being confident in what you have to offer is so key to being successful and getting what you want in life. So yeah, yeah, don't be afraid to fail. Just be excited to try. Yeah, I absolutely love that and completely agree. I don't know if I've said this before on the podcast and I'm hoping not, but I heard somewhere fail your way to success because like ultimately, yeah. like, even if you're failing along the way, if you keep trying, you're going to get to that success and it, yeah, don't consider them failures. They are really just lessons to get you to where absolutely. you can yeah. learn so much from your failures. So if you yeah. think about it like that, you only have things to gain. Yeah, 100%. And if someone has been like pitching ideas or they are sort of coming up against some of those obstacles and they are feeling a bit defeated and, yeah, they need some encouragement, what would you say to them? I think there are definitely times where it can seem like it's really easy to give up and it's not working out for you. So, you know, maybe time to find something else. I would say in that instance, maybe step back and Think about who you're pitching to. Maybe they're not the right publication or audience for you. So instead, try and find people that better align with your message, what you're really passionate and interested about. A lot of the time when you're pitching about things you're really not keen on, that comes across in your writing and in your pitches. So I think kind of pick a lane that you're really obsessed with and learn as much as you can, get enthusiastic and let that enthusiastic enthusiasm be conveyed in your pictures and your relationships with people that you're trying to write for um and yeah you really you really do have to back yourself and know that every every no is just a step on your way to a yes yeah I love it (laughs) that's so good um and when it comes to repurposing content do you do that much or like would you sort of go with a similar topic and then rewrite it in a few different ways and pitch it to different places or is that a no-no in the writing world or what's your um I don't generally tend to repurpose content too much because I think that as I said before considering your value as a writer is pretty much based entirely on your ability to replicate a tone of voice and directly target an audience because every brand and every publication has such a different tone and style and audience that they're aiming to target. I think it's like some, some topics will work across multiple publications, but the way you write about them and what you focus on, I really feel like should change quite a bit if you are getting your message across to the right people. So absolutely. If, if you pitched an idea and it didn't work for one publication, maybe you could find one that it worked better for. But I would say a lot of the time repurposing content means that you're not directly targeting the people that you should be. Yeah, that's a great point. That's really interesting. So now let's pretend you're sitting down at your computer to write something. What would be your process to get it started? And yeah, from start to completion, do you do like dot points or do you just sort of get into the flow state or yeah, tell us a bit about how you work. (laughs) I'm a planner. (laughs) I love lists. So my process would begin, I guess, once I've got an idea um, and I'm really excited about it, I will go and do as much research as I can if that's, the kind of piece I'm working on. Yeah. Um, and then I'll break my research up into the key points that I want to communicate. So let's say I have three key points. I'll kind of arrange my research under those headings and then I'll use that kind of scaffold to write my piece. And 
I should have said before all of this, <laughs> I'll really be clear on my audience. So as I go through my piece and I'm writing, I'll always have them front of mind. Yeah. Um, and I also always keep in mind that I want to write in a more of a conversational, easy to understand approachable way than a professional way so a lot of the time in health writing it can be easy to slip into all the jargon and everything that we use Um, but you really want it to be accessible and relatable so yeah I use my scaffold but I also keep those things in mind as I go yeah how long would the average publication be in terms of words it very much varies to be honest some people will want a really short 300 word pace uh, which you really can't deliver any research or anything in Um, (laughs) others will want one and a half to two thousand words so it totally depends on the topic and the publication and often they'll the amount that they pay you will vary accordingly to that yeah makes sense so is that the sort of thing they provide you with once you've been successful with the pitch yeah so uh, it depends on the publication again sometimes you'll set the rate sometimes they will sometimes you'll say how many words you want sometimes they will Um, but yeah they would absolutely accept your pitch before you dive into that kind of stuff Yeah. yeah cool and when you're writing do you factor in any like keywords or seo related stuff into that process yeah definitely so um say i'm writing something for hormones um if I know that a trending subject is hormonal acne or something like that, depending on who I'm writing for, a lot of the time at JS Health, we will take that into consideration um, and try and get those keywords in. It also means that we are tackling subjects that people are interested in, obviously, because if they're searching for those terms, they want to know about them. So you can kind of be sure that your information and your writing is relevant. So I think SEO is actually a really good starting point, even if you're, stuck for ideas looking into like trending words and everything like that can be really helpful it's a great tool and where do you go to find that sort of stuff um well at JS Health we have a team member who looks after all that but I also um, think Google Analytics is a really great way of seeing what people are looking for and also following people on social media is another great way because you can often identify trends from what people are posting about. So that's easy too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. And in terms of SEO, if someone does want to learn more about that, do you have any good recommendations or resources that you'd get them to start at? I don't personally, to be honest, I've never actually had any formal training in SEO. So I, there are a lot of really good blogs out there, but I don't have any that I could particularly recommend. Yeah, no, it's fair enough. It's a huge topic in itself and it's great that you guys do have that (laughs) specific SEO person at JS because, yeah, I'm sure it's like a full-time job that someone just needs. Definitely. I need to learn more about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think it's valuable for us all to know, but you're right. Like it is just, yeah, it's a huge thing and we could probably get lost learning about it. (laughs) Definitely. It's a tough one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cool. I think that probably wraps up everything I wanted to ask you today. That's been so interesting though. Thank you so much. That was fabulous. Yeah, it's been great. So would you have any parting words of advice or wisdom for the listeners before we do wrap it up? Yeah, sure. Um, I think just back yourself, take risks and you're, you're always going to be capable of so much more than you realize. You just have to put yourself out there 
and you have to risk falling flat on your face in order to get where you want to be. Um, and I think people can pick up on your passion and they respect perseverance and commitment and they won't judge you for trying. So just back yourself, um, take the risk and put yourself out there. Yeah, I love that so much. It's, yeah, it's so important. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. And where can people find you to follow along and read more of your amazing work? Um, my Instagram is at Emily Grace Health. Um, and you can find my LinkedIn in my bio on there, but my name is Emily Smith. So I wouldn't recommend searching me. There are a lot of <laughs> Yeah, there's so many results. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs> one thing I've learned though when searching for people that do have a common name is you can write like where they work and they'll come up clever if That's I was clever. searching you it'd be like Emily Smith JS Health or Emily Smith Writer and yeah you can most likely be in those top results <laughs> <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for being here it's been such a pleasure chatting um, and yeah I'm sure everyone's going to learn so much from this episode today Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality. Mm-hmm.